Hello and welcome in the next in the series of Airline Economics Sage series of podcasts. Today we're joined by Harry Forsyth, a veteran of the aviation leasing industry. He has over 45 years of experience across the OEM and Lassalle communities, having held senior roles at AWAS, Macquarie Air Finance and Asia Aviation Capital. After leaving Singapore, Harry established a new company called Aero Interface, along with five other experienced executives. Harry, welcome and thanks for speaking to us today. Could you perhaps start by telling us a little bit more about your new company? Thanks, Victoria, and thanks for inviting me on to this. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to um, travel much since um, the earlier part of this year, so this is one way of staying in touch. Um, Aero Interface was established basically to take advantage of the, uh, the skills and experience that the, uh, uh, the principals of the company have um, across quite a few disciplines, actually, um, you know, leasing, financing, uh, the technical aspect of the company, oh, sorry, the technical aspects of, um, of aircraft leasing particularly. Um, and uh, as, as you've pointed out, there seems to be something uh, that's in the DNA of people that work in, in aviation that prevents them from retiring at a normal age. So um, we all just uh, decided that it would be a good idea if we could try to pull our skills together and see if we can provide some uh, advice to both the um, the airline and uh, lessor community in in trying to salvage what's um, uh, looking to be like a, a fairly large train wreck that this industry is is experiencing. Oh, indeed, I mean that's where I'd like to just kick off the conversation is about just the scale of the crisis. I mean, I know it perhaps cannot compare in size and impact to other downturns, but are there any kind of lessons that you've seen from your experience in other downturn periods? Only that, that um, uh, you know, when things return to normal, it seems to happen fairly quickly. I mean, uh, you know, I, it may be somewhat politically incorrect to sort of um, wax lyrical in this whole sort of COVID crisis, but, you know, it, it seems to me that it falls fairly and squarely into the, uh, the same category as... Um, you know the the various health and um, food scare campaigns or scare crises that that uh, that happened over the last forty years. You know whether it was um, you know um, AIDS, um, uh, Ebola, SARS, MERS, um, mad cow disease, salmonella, listeriosis, bird flu, swine flu. Um, you know they've all had the same elements, which is basically um, you have a combination of attention-seeking experts grandstanding politicians and uh, a scaremongering media uh, and that all sort of conspires to produce a, um, a fairly strongly rooted feeling of fear amongst the, uh, the population um, and eventually they all sort of dissipate and um, you know they, they all come back I mean if you look at um, other events I mean not just sort of you know food or health scares but um, after uh, the, the the whole 9-11 horror um, you know that eventually came back when you look at sort of traffic and demand as as sort of produced by the um uh, the, the studies that both airbus and and boeing produce um the very um, severe traffic dips and demand drops that happened after that event um you know they they recovered relatively quickly so um that seems to be the the only thing and and look you know, I, I base my estimation on nothing other than the fact that I've been an optimist all my life. Why would I have stayed in aviation all my working life? Um, that's, that sort of explains that. So, you know, there's, there's no, um, you know, 
medical uh, knowledge, uh, but you know, I, I'm on the, the the side of truth and evidence, and all of the the truth and evidence seems to be coming in that that um, you know this is nowhere near as as bad as we were led to believe in the in the first instance. And I think um, you know when when uh, people start to see sense, then you know things will return to normal relatively quickly. That's that's my view on it. And what about the impacts on aviation? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, that the past downturns, they've been very regional, haven't they? They've been sometimes low, you know, restricted to the US or Asia. This has been a global impact. I mean, do you see how it's impacted different regions differently? Or do you think it has been a global problem? Well, exactly that. I mean, I think that's the main difference between this and, and others. I mean, it's 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 completely global in its impact. I mean, in, in the past, when there were regional crises, whether it was Asian finance crisis or, you know, the the um, uh, the, the 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 subprime mortgage crisis in the states and all of that type of stuff, um, they were distinctly regional, and and, and it was possible for. Uh, owners of aircraft and lessors to move the aircraft to different jurisdictions when when repossessions happen and and on the airline side, you know the carriers rejigged their schedules and aircraft capacities to to accommodate the reduced traffic and lower demand. But this time around, there's been active discouragement of flying and and travel generally on the part of administrations in an attempt to prevent viral spread. Um, and, and here in Australia, for example, I mean, we've we've had our liberty severely curtailed by. Um, having international travel banned since I, don't, I can't remember when, since February this year. Um, so it's, it's it's it is global in its impact. So I wanted to ask you about um, the level of government support that's been kind of given. I know it, it's different between different jurisdictions, but particularly for airlines, I mean things. I mean, do you think that current level is is enough, or do you think there needs to be more? I, I, again. Um, you know, there, there's only so much that can be spread around. Um, but you know, if 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 your viewpoint is that you know the the disaster in aviation at the minute is is largely government manufactured um, due to misplaced um, uh, uh, curtailment of, of of travel, then you know you tend to think that there should be some more support for for this vital sector because it's um, you know it, there are so many highly skilled people. At at all levels of aviation, that um, you know, it's it's difficult to get back quickly to where we need to be when we turn the corner because, you know, the, the skills that have been shared by big airlines and small airlines alike are not easily replaced, and and that's that's across the board, um, flight crew, cabin crew, tech crew, you know, all of the the experience levels in in those disciplines have been decimated, and and you know, as well as commercial aspects, there there are obviously safety aspects which have to be considered when you're trying to bring operations back into line when, when that time comes. Um, because there, there obviously is, a, or there will be, a dearth of those skills um, when, when, when it all comes back again. Going back to, to um, quite a few years ago when, when aviation was sort of thrust into the, the climate change um, argument, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, particularly on the, the, um, you know, the greener side of the argument, sort of were... Um, lambasting aviation for being one of the biggest polluters, when in fact, you know, the 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 uh, the truth of the matter was that it was the um, one of the lowest polluters, and is actually one of the um, uh, the most efficient, if not the most efficient, way of transporting people 
um, over long distances. Um, you know, the, the, some studies that were done completely misrepresented the uh, the, the level of, of emissions that, that emanated from from aircraft, and, and I think eventually it was sort of demonstrated that aviation was, you know, something like two percent of the total rather than twenty percent as it had been thought. Um, so, you, you know, I, one of my major criticisms of aviation is that because it's a, a highly technical business or, or community or industry, we, we tend to resort to highly technical explanations when it comes to things like that rather than addressing the emotional, emotional level of most complaints. Um, and I think that's really where the, the, the effort should be directed. So when you look at what's happened with this, the, the COVID crisis, I mean, there's a lot of um, talk about um, you know transmission on, on aircraft and, and how the virus could circulate through the, the particularly recycled air and air conditioning systems. Um, and, you know, the response was, oh, look, we, we have um, the uh, HEPA filters in, in aircraft, which are the same as you get in in, um, aircraft, in uh, medical operating theatres and so on. But that, you know, that's a technical approach to that thing rather than, than sort of trying to alleviate people's fears that, you know, if you get this virus, you're going to die. And, and you know, that rather than sort of trying to accommodate that, we, we seem to sort of try to come up with, with technical things. And, you know, ev even here uh, in Australia, um, you know, we're, there's, there's not much effort which goes in or, or put into trying to um, uh, educate people on what the, the com comparable risks are associated with other activities that they do in their everyday life versus, you know, the risk of, of, of dying from COVID-19 or even just, um, you know, if you catch it and you're not in the high-risk cohort, what, what your um, your chances of recovery are. So, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest problems facing all of us. Um, and, you know, I, I, I see this in, in reading uh, news from the UK and elsewhere, but you know it's it's very very difficult to have a rational discussion on this issue. I mean, if you stray from the orthodoxy, um, you know you're immediately branded as a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist, or some sort of heartless, uncaring, devil may care disease spreader. Um, and as I said before, I, I'm I have no conspiracy theory to push, and I'm firmly on the the side of just truth and evidence. And and it's it's beyond my comprehension as to why every healthy person has to be sent to jail in order to protect people who can take appropriate measures to protect themselves, just like they've done all their lives. I mean, I think, you know, protecting my health is my responsibility. I don't need a medical officer, and particularly not one that I didn't vote for, um, you know, to, um, to sort of control how I run my life risks. Um, I, I, there are, um, I'm sure there must be some way of, of um, uh, protecting people who are at risk whilst allowing the um, the people who are at low risk um, to pursue their jobs and, and, and relatively normal lives. As I said, it sort of goes back to trying to educate people that, that um, you know, fear is the biggest problem. And, and, and even now, many people believe that, that catching COVID-19 is a, an automatic death sentence. So, so the challenge then is for airlines is rebuilding that confidence to travel, essentially. That's at the heart of it all, in my opinion. I, mean, I think, you know, unless people are, are, are encouraged to travel again and made to feel um, uh, that they're protected, I mean, the, the ones that feel as though they need protection, then, you know, it's, it's going to have a big impact on it. I mean, you can see what happened in 
the northern hemisphere summer. I mean, there was clearly a, a, a propensity to travel on the part of a lot of um, younger, low-risk people. Um, but you know, then you know, various administrations around Europe, um, you know, conspired to uh, put in place you know complex quarantine procedures, which um, poured a lot of cold water on that. So you know, a lot of those things need to be sorted out before um, um, it can all come back to normal. Um, what about the leasing companies through all of this? I mean, obviously they've been helping their airline customers as much as they can with with uh, rent holidays and other things. How do you see this impacting them? Because it's been going on now for over six months, hasn't it? I mean, from a financial impact, I mean, there, there, are, there are a lot of um, lessors which um, have aircraft which will be more impacted or more impaired from a value point of view than, than, than others. Uh, and I think you know, a lot of the bigger companies are sort of trying to ensure that, that, that they can get beyond the end of this year and into next year, um, you know, w- without having to take serious impairments and hoping that, that um, um, they can turn the corner and all of this and, and things will improve and people will, will start, uh, or sorry, airlines will start um, uh, returning to the contractual levels of, um, uh, of, of rentals. Well, look, clearly, because this has been a, a, a global crisis, um, there will be a greater impact on some of the, uh, the, the, the smaller aircraft leasing companies. So they'll either um, you know, have to consolidate with something or be bought out by someone in, in a stronger position. But um, you know, that, that, that sort of situation was, is probably overdue. I mean, when you look at, at uh, the situation that existed, um, uh, before this happened, I mean, there were, there were clearly a lot of um, lessors who were established to try to build up a, a, a book of, of um, assets, and they they weren't terribly concerned about what sort of level of pricing or, or, or even lease rentals they, they, they had as part of those deals. So, um, you know, there, there will be some casualties. That's, that's, that's obvious. Yeah, indeed. And then... We've been hearing obviously a lot about the challenges, but also there are um, opportunities with all sorts of crises. I mean, you've just mentioned one. There's going to be opportunities for for consolidation and for buying. I mean, do you see any others kind of emerging, and and how will that affect the market? Well, as as usual, uh, it, it'll be subject to the golden rule, which is he who has the gold makes the rules. I mean, capital will be in short supply as banks and other sort of um, you know debt providers marshal their resources to deal with the the best credits they they can find and therefore you know there will be a lot of people who um, you know will not be able to access the the, the debt that, that they need or, or or equity you know if they're um, you know people were obviously trying to build up books where they could sort of do um, ABSs and, and that type of stuff and that's obviously going to be crimped for a while so um, if there are people who come a, a, along who still see or, or see aviation as, as being a, um, a, a good investment opportunity, then, you know, for sure, they, they will have um, the ability to pick up a number of, of, um, of assets at, at, um, at, at attractive prices. So, you know, you, you've seen this in, in other things in the States, particularly they, they have these um, what do they call them? SPACs? Is it special purpose acquisition companies? Or basically it's just, you know, investors sort of say, give me some money and when a good idea comes along, I'll invest it. And I, you tend to think that aviation 
will probably, or, or, or leasing, um, the leasing community and leasing markets will be one of those targets. Um, you know, because uh, if, if you can get the aircraft at the, the right price and you can get a, a lessee to pay the right sort of money for it and you can get the right sort of credit enhancements like going back to cash security deposits and cash reserves, then you know, what, what was a fairly flimsy investment um, in the recent past can, can end up being a, a fairly strong investment in, in a, a new um, uh, future. So how do you um, react to some of the headlines that have been talking about there's going to be way too many aircraft on the ground and they'll never be able to get certain types flying again? I mean, do you have thoughts on how that's going to develop? Same thing. We've, we've, we've seen all that before. I and mean, I think, you know, you get a lot of data analysts who don't really have a great deal of experience in aviation and they look at total numbers. Uh, and, and with all these things, I mean, the devil's always in the detail. I mean, if you look at the total number of aircraft in storage, yes, it's horrifying. But, you know, if you then look at, at um, the number of aircraft that probably, you know, won't ever return to service and you subtract those, then it comes down to a more manageable um, number. I mean, clearly, th this is the most worrying one because we're seeing, you know, aircraft which are you know relatively high value and relatively young, which are being placed into longer term storage. I think. I think Air New Zealand said that they were putting all of their triple seven three hundred ERs in until like September of next year. Now, that's a horribly long time to to have um, you know an expensive asset like that sitting in the ground. But um, you know, when things return, you know, obviously those aircraft will come back in, and then it's you know it, it's always been the, the same. I mean, the the first things that normally got hit in a downturn were freighters, and then it, you know, the wide bodies, and then the narrow bodies, and it sort of recovered in that order as well. So. Um, you know, you, th th there are plenty of aircraft that probably won't come back into service. First of all, sort of, I, I think in aviation, it's easy for us to sort of take a view that, you know, because we we sort of place certain importance on on certain things like newness of of, of the uh, the aircraft type and so on, um, that that uh, the, the traveling public do the same thing. But in 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 my experience, you know, ninety nine percent. Maybe that's too high. Ninety-something percent of of the the travelling public wouldn't have a clue as to what aircraft type they're travelling on. Never mind how old it is. So, provided um, you know the, 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 an aircraft is is well maintained and, and kept in in good physical um, appearance, um, that goes a long way to to um, classing them as a, as a good airline. I mean, uh, Jet Two in the UK is a good good example of that. I mean, they've got some. You know, seven five sevens, but they they make sure the interiors are well kept and they make sure the exterior is well kept. Uh, and if you can get that aircraft at um, a, a good rental, then that that um, um, mitigates all of the extra maintenance and, and operational expenses that you'd otherwise incur in that. So it'll be the same thing this time around, I think, with um, you know uh, some of the other, whether it's A three twenties or or seven three seven NGs, clearly. A lot of the really old ones, when I say really old, you know, the sort of fifteen-year-plus ones will will struggle to come back. But certainly, all of the um, the younger ones in good condition will will have a market if they, um, the the uh, the the relative economic costs are are um, the same. I mean, it was already happening. I think before the the COVID crisis, the um, the, the 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 premium for Neos and, and Maxes had basically disappeared because fuel price had come down. 
Um, so, uh, you know, if you can reduce the rental on a, um, a 737NG or a, an A320C uh, to the point where it's, it, it, it's attractive for airlines to keep those aircraft in their fleets, then why wouldn't they? I mean, I, I don't really see that um, the aircraft age or the aircraft type is a, um, a huge factor in all of it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it all comes down to the operating economics. And so kind of looking out over the next 12 months, do you see any specifically transformational or structural t- changes in the industry, perhaps with airlines or with the financing of aircraft? I, I, I think on I mean, the sector is mature, so it's, it's, in my opinion, it's unlikely that any large transformational change would occur. But, you know, in the medium term, there's certainly going to be more risk aversion on the part of providers of debt and equity into aviation asset investment. So that might curtail that, but that's not really a sort of transformational or structural change. Do you see the airline business models changing? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about maybe nationalising some airlines if that happens. And I mean, will the low-cost carriers be the first to recover, do you think? Or how do you think that's going to develop? If you look at what's going on in the States, I mean, a lot of the the, um, the, the big airlines are sort of adopting the, the, the uh, commercial stances that, that were championed by the, the low-cost airlines, you know, change fees and things like that. Um, so clearly they're looking at... at um, uh, trying to muscle in on on their areas as well, because so, they've obviously got the the most to lose, and 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 I, I think if they can try to change their approach, um, then maybe they can, you know, get back to an area where they they've um, they've lost a lot of traffic, and that being the 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 LCC model. So you know, they've always had trouble with with getting their costs down to the levels of the, the LCCs, but, you know, never waste a good crisis, they say. If if, um, if they can do that via this, then why not? Um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't really have a view on, um, you know, other airlines being nationalised. I mean, you can see, I, I think, Alitalia, I think, was given some more state aid which nobody seems to be complaining about anymore so it's nationalism by stealth i suppose in in their case but uh, i i don't really know what the others are are planning on doing and so finally harriet i guess no one has a crystal ball but if we can look beyond the kind of current crisis situation what kind of shape do you think the recovery will take again i i have to say that that you know, my view is basically based on a lifetime of optimism, um, and and as I said, with all of these health and food scares, people have short memories, and and I've every expectation that the return to normality will be relatively rapid. Um, the biggest difference in 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 this crisis has been the prevalence of social media platforms, um, and you know, it's been a convenient platform for enforcing mass compliance with various administration directives um, via, you know, well-orchestrated fear and scare campaigns. And I think when it's in the, their interest to reverse that and people start to, to, to realise that, that it wasn't as bad as they thought it was, people have always had a propensity to travel and go on holiday. And, and you know, when, when things come back, I, I believe firmly that it will be um, a very rapid return to, to a normality. 
Do you have any kind of idea when travel is going to recover? I mean, IART has been saying perhaps 2022 or even out further than that. Do you have any view on the time frame? I mean, getting getting back to where it was and starting to surpass that? Yeah, yeah, in terms of travel, traffic numbers. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't really disagree with, with that. I mean, I think it's going to take um, a lot of time to get back up there um, because, you know, for, forget just the aviation impact. I mean, it's, you know, the, 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 the economic impact on um, a, lot, a lot of people's lives and livelihoods has been severe. So it's one thing wanting to go somewhere on, on, on a holiday. It's another thing being able to afford it. Um, and if there are a lot of people who, who um, um, have, have suffered because of, of this, then it's, it's going to take some time for, uh, for that to recover, just the, the general economic recovery. Because, you know, the whole thing about aviation is it doesn't lead or lag anything. It, it's in, if times are good, aviation is good. If times are bad, aviation is bad. So, you know, it's, it's not a, um, a, a complicated economic formula. So, you know, basically what you need is, is people earning money and uh, having uh, disposable income before they can um, go traveling somewhere. Well, Harry, thank you very much for joining me today and thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. My pleasure, Victoria. Thank you for doing it. I enjoyed it.